Srimad Bhagavad Gita as it is. We're studying the 13th chapter, Nature, the Enjoyer, and Consciousness. So let's go back and uh, put things in perspective. Starting on page 638, the beginning of the chapter, Arjuna asked Krishna the following. Oh, my dear Krishna, I wish to know about Prakriti, nature, Purusha, the enjoyer, and the field and the knower of the field, and of knowledge and the object of knowledge. So in the... uh, Krishna begins by explaining the field of activity, the material body. In addition to the material body, the current environment that we're in, this material nature. Uh, Then he goes on, and what we reviewed last week was, what's knowledge? What is knowledge? So the field of activity is the first thing that he explained to Arjuna. Uh, then he went on to explain what are actu- what's actual knowledge. And in reviewing those verses 8 through 12, after he'd finished up, in 7 he finished up with what are the elements, the, the, what, are, what is the aggregate of the material energy, the external energy of the Lord. So the Lord has unlimited potencies are broadly broken down into three areas. His internal potency, which is his spiritual Satchitananda energy, and uh, his external energy, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, this material energy that we're currently experiencing. And in between the two, is the jiva, ourselves. Our constitution is eternity, knowledge, and bliss. But because we're not infinite, we're infinitesimal, there's the tendency to come under the influence of the external energy due to errant desire. If we don't have desires fully in line with the Supreme Lord, then he gives us a playground where we can enjoy through exploitation his external energy and in illusion think we're enjoying. It's a foreign atmosphere. It doesn't really satisfy us. And in due course of time, we'll understand that. The process of Krishna consciousness is the process of coming to full realization of our spiritual nature and giving up the exploitative mentality that we can enjoy those that external potency of God. It's very simple. That it's it's just that simple. But how do we accomplish that? So the field of activities, that is where we in the material realm experience life. Our consciousness is fixed in this field of activities and Arjuna wanted to know what is the nature of it. Then he went on. And what what is knowledge? So last week we went over knowledge. 
And it's interesting, isn't it, that Krishna, after explaining those 20 items of knowledge, said, this is, this is knowledge. If anything else, is ignorance. Wow, that's it? 20 simple things? If we can understand those things fully, we'll have complete knowledge. And anything beyond this, Krishna said, is ignorance. 20 simple things. Humility, pridelessness, pridelessness nonviolence, tolerance, simplicity, approaching a bona fide spiritual master, cleanliness, steadiness, self-control, renunciation of the objects of sense gratification, absence of false ego, the perception of the evil of birth, death, old age, and disease, detachment, freedom from entanglement with children, wife, home, and the rest, even-mindedness amid pleasant and unpleasant events, constant and unalloyed devotion to me, aspiring to live in a solitary place, detachment from the general mass of people, accepting the importance of self-realization and philosophical philosophical search for the absolute truth. All these I declare to be knowledge, and besides this, whatever there may be is ignorance. Wow. What about science? What about meta- what about technology? What about going to the moon? What about in- inventing a, a great conveyance like a Lamborghini? Or an atom bomb. <laughs> huh? Or, or an atom bomb. What about that? All that is not knowledge. It's just these simple character. It's most of these things deal with what? Character, Character, humility, pridelessness, nonviolence. These items of knowledge are our true constitutional spiritual engagement. And if we can fix our consciousness on these items through the process of devotional service, then we're in full knowledge. But I said that backwards, didn't I? Because what's what did he explain in the purport to these verses? If you come to the platform of devotional service, if you engage in the program of just surrendering to Krishna, these things come automatically. They're there dormant in us. And if we simply become Krishna conscious, then these character, these items of spiritual character will manifest automatically. So this week, Krishna is going to go on and explain the third item, being the knower. And the knower, we're going to find out this evening, is of, is Actually, two. The jiva, the infinitesimal spiritual particle, and the paramatma, the all-pervading Supreme Lord. Personally all-pervading. Paramatma is a person, but his awareness 
is not limited the way our awareness is. We're infinitesimal. Our actual spiritual nature, what is the size? One ten thousandth the tip of a hair. So take a hair, look, <laughs> into ten thousand little pieces, and that small spark of spiritual potency pervades this whole body consciously. We we actually don't have a real big body. We have a medium-sized body. That same spark of spiritual consciousness pervades the body of an elephant and a whale. And there's actually fish in the ocean which are bigger than whales that eat the whales. What is it, Tim and... Yeah, Tim and Gila? Huge. I mean, imagine. Now, if they're, if they're there now, I don't know. We, they may have already been extinct in this time, but it's explained that there is, a, is that large of a living entity. Let's chant a verse and uh, study a little bit about the knower of the field of activity and the knower of all fields of activity. Now, the verses we're going to read tonight primarily focus upon Paramatma and his feature of all pervasiveness. But we can understand the character of the ocean by understanding a drop from the ocean. So similarly, the way our consciousness pervades our body and allows us to be aware of seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching. We have a field of activity, material as it is now, due to being in control by the Lord's external potency, uh, the modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. But it gives us an idea if we think and contemplate of the universe, universal presence of the Lord just as we're aware of what's happening in our body, he's aware of everything in all bodies. It's a crude example, but Prabhupada gives a couple explanations tonight from Shastra that would give us some clue to that, all pervasiveness. So we can chant text 13. Sarvata pani param tat sarvato sisiromukam sarvata Shruti Maoloke Sarvam Avritya Tistati. Everywhere his hands and legs, his eyes, heads and faces, and he has ears everywhere. In this way the super soul exists, pervading everything. Umajana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshur Unmilitanyena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with transcendental knowledge. I offer my most humble obeisances unto him. So in this verse, Krishna is giving an indication of his all-pervasiveness through his expansion as Paramatma. And it's interesting to note that in this particular verse, Prabhupada stresses the, the importance of understanding the distinction between 
the individual soul and the supreme personality of Godhead. It's interesting to note that Srila Prabhupada's preaching in the Western world, when we, we chant the pranams to Srila Prabhupada, two very important words are there. Nirvasesha sunyavadi. So we chant that, nirvasesha sunyavadi. Meaning that Prabhupada's preaching was primarily in the Western world dedicated to the eradication of the misconceptions of those two errant philosophies, impersonalism and voidism. It's also very interesting that to understand how prevalent those philosophies are in our culture today is difficult. So Nirvasesa Sunyavadi. Prabhupada's preaching in the Western world was, was focused on that concept of doing away with these misconceptions. Now Prabhupada's spiritual master, his primarily f- focus what was in the culture of India to do away with the misconception that without full purification from mundane desire, without full purification under the direction of a bona fide system of devotional advancement, atashrada tata sadhu sangotha bhajana kriya step by step, one can advance his, his consciousness and cleanse himself of material attachment. Unfortunately, at the time of Prabhupada's spiritual master's preaching in the culture of India, there was the misconception that one could very, very easily without full purification, become spiritually enriched and engage in the topmost spiritual activity. Engaging in that level of spiritual activity without qualification. So it's said that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, 90% of his energy in preaching went to explain What is Madhurya Ras? What is the true exchange of love on the topmost level for the Supreme Lord? 90% of his energy was dedicated to explaining it. Particularly what it wasn't. It's not some cheap thing. First, you must purify your heart to enter into that highest level of spiritual understanding and appreciation. And unless you take to the proper practice and actually go step by step to simply jump to the topmost esoteric explanations of loving God in conjugal affection, which is considered the topmost love, simply by going there without full purification is very dangerous. Just like, imagine, you have some heart disease and you go to the physician 
And he says, oh, that's fine. I can, I can operate. I'll certainly correct that valve. I can hear your heart's beating and I hear something's a little off. So I'll simply cut you open and fix it. If he is not fully qualified, he's simply an imitation doctor. He's jumping to the platform of, of, a, of a qualified surgeon without yet having full qualification. What's going to be the out, outcome of such an operation? Mistake. Very dangerous. Probably ending in death. untimely death. <laughs> yes. Similarly, in spiritual life, in order, there, there is no question that these highest levels of exchange with the Supreme Lord are there. But they're not there to be had without full qualification. And if we go through the process of proper qualification, we can, we can relish and appreciate and understand and even serve on those highest levels to give pleasure to the Supreme Lord. But in India at the time of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, this class of imitation spiritualists, referred to as the Sahajiyas, they were prevalent. And they said that their basic concept was, well, as long as I can read about it, the reading in and of itself that will give me the qualification. And then they dress up like gopis and they simply make a, a, just a mess of the whole process of spiritual life. So Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, his main focus was on correction of this misconception. So the Acharyas, they generally have, they come to what? To fulfill Krishna's purpose. So when, when, they, when they come, when they descend, what's Krishna talk about in Bhagavad Gita about the need for that descent? What's the verse? Yada, yada, yes, good. Wherever and whenever there's a decline in religious practice and a predominance of irreligion or misrepresentation or misconception, I invent myself. Or I send my qualified servant to correct the situation. I may come as an incarnation for some reason like Buddha or I may send, Krishna says, I may send. So I send Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati under the director, direction and toolage of Bhakti Vinod Thakur to, create, to correct those misconceptions. And then when Bhakti Vedanta Swami came to spread Krishna consciousness Throughout the Western world, he had to, and you will find as you study Bhagavad Gita purports, and as you go on to the next level and start reading Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, again and again and again, this point of not misunderstanding the position and the distinction between the jiva and the supreme. Because there is a misconception. The misconception is, and Prabhupada points it out in this purport, what's he say? What is the misconception? That 
once, once I am freed from the illusion of this material existence, then my arms and hands will be everywhere. My eyes will be everywhere. I'll be all-knowing because I am and you are and we all are the Supreme. Yes, we all are the Supreme. But what is the distinctive, distinctive factor of our supremacy? We're infinitesimally supreme and Krishna is infinitely supreme. Big difference there. So let's review these verses that talk about the supremacy of Krishna and his all-pervasiveness. Yes, sir. But this thought of equality with God, or I am Christian, I mean, it seems it's happening on level after level. I mean, it's, there's a danger of people falling into this idea no matter where they're at. I mean, it's, I mean, not, you know, not no matter, but I mean, in a common day sense, you see everyone in a way. You know, Christian has all good qualities, and one way or the other, everyone wants to be the most rich, the most beautiful, the most, you know, so... It, this seems to be happening, you know, pretty consistently. You know, you know, On all levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, what is our charge? You rectify the situation. What is our charge? Yes. Uh, staying here over and over again. You know, no, 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 no. No. That's not your charge. You're beyond all that. Our charge now is to what? We have to take up. What Bhaktivedanta started. We have to become guru and we have to remind everyone we see, even if you become spiritually inclined, know that spiritual inclination, the topmost level of that is to remain infinitesimal before the Supreme. He is a person, we are a person, and just because we give up and we become liberated from the slings and arrows of the outrageous fortune of our material involvement, even though we throw off the shackles of material life, all that's going, what that affords us of is living in transcendental love with the Supreme Person. It doesn't make us the supreme person. We're not going to merge into that supreme Brahman energy and be God. We're going to realize our godly qualities. We're going to become, we're going to come into full knowledge of, of our, of our spiritual knowledge, humility, pridelessness, tolerance, nonviolence, all the things given in those last verses we studied last week. Those things are there. That, that is our rightful claim. We are heirs to that nature. If we can free ourselves from the mentality of exploitation or renunciation and simply become das, das, anudas, if we can certainly take on our true servant mentality and serve the Supreme in one of, you know, five transcendental rasas, rasa, just imagine rasa, 
loving rapture for God above everything here that we, we take as dear and, and pleasing to us, which simply ends in, our, in, our, in misery and suffering. If we can actually take the spiritual life and experience our true spiritual nature, what, what a thing is that? So that's our charge. We're in the Western world, and yes, we have to deal with those, which with that, those misconceptions of spirituality. When you get there, you're going to become one. Or and you really, there's also don't they really mix in now in this new age amalgamation of of spiritual thought, so called. Well, not only do you become one, you don't have to work for it. Yeah. You don't have to purify your heart. You could go to worship and pay for it. Yeah, you can come and you can you can come before the gurus and they're going to give you their oneness blessing and you're there. That's it. But you don't have to do any work at the workshop. No, you don't have to purify your heart. You don't have to give up lust and anger and greed and no you just come and i i just i'll put give you my some hands up, put my fingers on your head that's it is it that simple it's that's that's somebody mm. mentioned the uh referring to the spirit it's like a spiritual buffet you mm. pick what's, yeah. what's pleasing to you archie was now archie was just offered this blessing so it's so funny because shula Prabhupada said specifically that spiritual life is not you know, you don't purify yourself by being touched by a guru. You know, <laughs> said it specifically. It's not, you know, it's not that he touches you and you become enlightened. Right. You know, right. and then they, they say, come, let me touch you, I'll enlighten you. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. A few verses on the nature of Jiva and Paramatma. Text 13. I shall now explain the knowable knowing which you will taste the eternal. Brahman, the spirit, beginningless and subordinate to me, lies beyond the cause and effect of this material world. Everywhere are his hands and legs, his eyes, heads, and faces, and he has ears everywhere. In this way, the super soul exists pervading everything. The Supersoul is the original source of all senses, yet he is without senses. He is unattached, although he is the maintainer of all living beings. He transcends the modes of nature, and at the same time, he is the master of all the modes of material nature. The Supreme Truth exists outside and inside of all living beings the moving and the non-moving. Because he is subtle, he is beyond the power of the material senses to see or to know. Although far, far away, he is also near to all. Although the super soul appears to be divided among all beings, he is never divided. He is situated as one. Although he is the maintainer of every living entity, it is to be understood that he devours and develops all. He is source, he is the source of light in all luminous objects. He is beyond the darkness of matter 
and is unmanifested. He is knowledge, he is the object of knowledge, and he is the goal of knowledge. He is situated in everyone's heart. Thus, the field of activities, the body, knowledge, and the knowable have been summarily described by me. Only my devotees can understand this thoroughly and thus attain to my nature. So first, Krishna explains the nature of his expansive potency and he ends by saying, if you understand this, then you will come to that nature yourself. Now, does anybody remember when they read these verses in the purports, how the analogy that Prabhupada uses to explain and give us a glimpse into, into understanding super soul's all-pervasiveness? Yes, sir. Okay. Go ahead. The, the sun is uh, situated in one place, but spreads its rays, rays, uh, rays, rays, rays everywhere. So similarly, the super soul, the, the supreme lord, is present in one place, but he is extended to every you know corner of the manifestation, spiritual and material. And so that we may be situated here, and the sun's on our heads. And someone is situated 3,000 miles away, the sun's also there on his head. That's how the super soul, we could get a glimpse into an understanding of super soul. Just a way that we can understand. Krishna's that all pervasive, just in, in the, the analogy there. The sun, it's up there, but everybody's experiencing the sun as being with them, aren't they? We're experiencing here, and they're experiencing in New York and San Francisco and Chicago. They're all, wow, the sun is right here, right above our heads. We're feeling. So in, in the same way, we can have some little understanding of super soul is pervading everything, but he's also in his place. Now, another thing in the purports of these verses was an explanation of the fact that he sees, but he doesn't see, he, you know, all these apparent contradictions. Right, but also what? What was? What's the main point in the in the coming out from those explanations? The point being, he sees, but he doesn't see the way we see. We see through material senses. He sees because he's all-pervading. But he also sees. He tastes. He accepts our service. He'll take the leaf, the flower, the little water that we offer, but he's situated far, far away. But his all-pervasive nature allows him to also accept our simple offering. And we're here and we're offering to Krishna here. He's come to us in, in his deity manifestation. We're take, making an offering 
There are thousands of devotees on the face of this planet also making their offering. Not only on this planet, but on all, all the higher planetary systems. They're also making their offerings to Krishna. They're also doing their puja. They're also making an offering so that Krishna will be fed, thinking that if they don't feed him, <laughs> he'll starve. Their devotion is of that caliber. I must feed Krishna. Otherwise, Krishna, he's situated in his own spiritual nature. He's enjoying his own spiritual pastime, but he's also here taking the offerings of all of his devotees and relishing those offerings and reciprocating with those devotees. So he's all pervading. He hears everything that we say. He hears everything that we think. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> we need to purify our minds sometimes. It's a good idea. We don't want to embarrass Krishna. So that's the nature of super soul. He touches, but he doesn't touch with material senses. We touch with material senses. That doesn't mean that he doesn't... It, it doesn't mean that he doesn't touch because he doesn't use material senses. There is one real gem in these purports. Prabhupada says that if we purify our existence, now just imagine this, if you purify your heart, if you give up that mentality of exploitation, the mentality of renunciation, and simply serve, if we can purify our senses in service to the Supreme, in pure devotional service, through the process of, of, process of devotional service as, a, as given in an authorized form, not in some cheap imitation form, like the Sahajiyas that Bhaktisiddhanta works so diligently to rectify in Indian culture, and if we can give up the misconception of Western culture that when we attain liberation, we actually become one with the supreme allness of God. We're blessed with that oneness. If we can give up those conceptions and progress gradually, step by step, as the Acharyas have laid out the simple process of Krishna consciousness, we will actually be able to see the Supreme Lord everywhere, in everything, at all times. So when you see Krishna's pure devotees, and you see how they act, and you see how in their devotion they're overwhelmed with love for Krishna, so much so that they can't stop talking about Him, they can't stop worshipping Him, they can't stop glorifying Him. They can't stop chanting the Holy Name. So much so that they hardly eat and they hardly sleep. And they're hardly swayed in any way. When we have contact with those individuals, we can have a glimpse by, from these purports that that's the level of spiritual consciousness that they've attained. That is the goal of this Krishna conscious practice. Yes, ma'am. In um, 
like it's such a clear example, like young love or a very dedicated love, like they see their lover and you know, they drive past the billboard or something that advertised, like say they went to the movies or something, and they'll be like, oh yeah, no, I went to the movies with like everything that they see reminds them of, of their lover. Like, oh, we walked this way in the park, and then the memory is refreshed, and, and uh, or, you know, he sat here, or, oh, look at this piece of paper, he said, he, you know, you say like a, a, a piece of a, a candy wrapper or something from, you know, because it reminds you, reminds you, and so that's how it is like for the Trinity, everything, because they're so much in love with Krishna that everything they see reminds them of, of Krishna, just like a young love, everything they, you know, you see that has any kind of contact with that other person, you know, it's like all those feelings are stirred up again. Well, one's on the material plane, the other's on the spiritual plane. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's just, think of but it gives us a, it gives us a, a, <laughs> a, a relationship, and I'm not sure I want to remember all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it gives us an inkling, though, as to how, how it could, you know, could be, could be for the, for right. the road. It's just that it's on a transcendental level. Yeah. I'm going to continue with what Archie started there and give one last explanation uh, in ending tonight. Srila Prabhupada was being interviewed once and the reporter asked, how do you carry on this movement? How do you know what to do? You speak in such a way that I, I can see that you're a saintly person. How do you communicate with God? So the reporter came to Prabhupada with this question and one of his young disciples, one of my godbrothers, thought, well, let me answer this on behalf of my spiritual master. So he said, well, it's, it's, it's like intuition. You know, because you understand from the scripture, you know what God would want you to do. So that's how. <laughs> and Prabhupada, he said, no. I talk to God. It's not just that the pure devotees remember by seeing everything in relationship to God. The pure devotee actually has come to the platform of having audience with the Supreme Lord at all times. Everybody read these verses? Does anybody have anything, anything to add? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop early here tonight. This is going to be a the first. Yes, sir. I was just thinking when, when uh, you were speaking uh, to understand the potency of the Lord. Like, you know, the, the, all, the Lord is all pervading and He's everywhere present. What is going on everywhere. And, uh, and like you were saying, that we, when we get to this point of purity, we also you know, we have this misconception that we can be like him. But I was thinking, like you, uh, you started your, your class uh, by saying how Jiva Sol is, uh, is teeny and how small it is, just one ten thousand, you know, size of one ten thousand part of the, of the hair, the tip of the hair. But still, Jiva Sol has such potency that completely, you know, controls this body. 
not only this body, we can influence so many other living entities to the point like, you know, being like president, where we can influence, you know, whole countries. We can influence half of the world, or even, you know, like Napoleon Bonaparte, and he influenced the whole world. <laughs> and this is just one teeny piece of spiritual energy, which is somewhere there in the body, but it has, can generate such, you know, amazing potency. Yeah, think of Hitler and yeah. all those troops. Yeah. <laughs> One little man, little teeny man. Yes. You know, you know, when we take it in the perspective, and if, if human, you know, living entity, soul can, can generate such great potency, what to say about the Supreme Personality of God? That, you know, there is, you cannot, we cannot even imagine. Mm. If, we, yeah. if we look in the perspective, you know, of, Compare you know the Lord to ourselves even and, and seeing what we are capable of accomplishing and now transforming into the supreme personality of God is just like wow there is no no inconceivable actually at the dinner program that I met you saying they were talking about he watched some kind of film some kind of scientific thing they were talking about that the energy contained in one raisin could power New York City. One day, you know, if you think about something so small and all the energy that's involved there, that you could power, you know, the a city that I couldn't even imagine how much electricity goes in one day, you know, but it's with a little bit of focus, with you know, it's just uh, unbelievable, you know, I mean, versus the energy that's you know that makes us go, you know, I mean, like you said, the, the, just the small. I mean, I was a psychic blown away by that you know, you're talking about, you know, how misguided we are as a society with something like that, like how we, you know, how unbelievable it is. Something so small could power something so big and yet at the same time, you know, uh, so much energy is wasted, <laughs> I guess you would say. And the potential for energy, well, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I do not understand in any way the, the thinking of someone of, uh, Einstein's brains. What's the potentiality of one atom? One atom. It's infinite. Is it? It's a lot. <laughs> I don't know if a material atom is infinitely powerful, but it's enough to blow up. You split that one atom. <laughs> you know. I don't know how that works. If it was just one atom and a hydrogen bomb that starts, that does the whole thing. But we can see the result of such a little mass, and wow, yes, like you're saying, so much potentiality, like you're saying, imagine a man like Napoleon or Hitler and how much influence they have. And it's interesting that when you start Srimad Bhagavatam and you start reading and you, you hear about people that, like Haranyakasi Pu, would make Hitler look like a... Yeah. Micro. <laughs> Hiranyakasi Poo performed so much austerity and was so determined that when he went to the, you know, when he reached the stage, his perfection in austerity, when he held his breath, Everyone in the universe gasped for air. Hitler, Napoleon, yeah, these are little. 
But uh, comparatively, yeah, it's a great analogy to understand. Anything else? Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.